0: Greetings friends, it is a great blessing for me to be with you today. Today we are going to talk about the joy that there is in the heart of the Father in giving Jesus to help us, to save us. we can going to talk about the Servant of God, Jesus Christ. So many times we think that we are the Servants of God. <clears throat> excuse me Uh, and we put a great burden upon ourselves to try and make the kingdom of God manifest in the earth but the great emphasis is upon Jesus being the servant of God we as servants today it's basically a little bit different than what Jesus is and was when he walked upon the earth he's come to serve you with the life of God and we receive that life that life manifesting in us it can also be a service to other people, but that is not how this servant thing really works. Jesus is the servant of God, and we are being served by Jesus with life so that we can share in what God has dreamt for us from before the world began. Well, let us just pray together as we start this service. Father, I want to thank you for your grace. I want to thank you for your mercy. And I want to thank you that you love people. I thank you that you empower me to preach a powerful message today, encouraging every person that is watching. Amen. I want to just say welcome to everybody. I want you to know that you are the beloved of God. excuse me, you are the beloved of God, you are the one that God cares for, you are the one that he has dreamt about, he wants you and he wants you to share in his quality of life. Now today we're going to read from Isaiah 42 most of the time but I want to just start off by just looking at Jude. Uh, Jude and I'm going to read, I think it's from a about verse 17 (coughs) where it says that we should keep ourselves in the love of God and as we keep ourselves in the love of God we are safe that is that is a safe place where where we are Jude and I'm going to read here from verse um verse 20 he's basically warning people uh, and this is a big thing here he says in the beginning of jude he says i basically want to speak about our common faith you know that which we believe i want to speak about the gospel but unfortunately i cannot speak about the gospel now one might say but paul why don't you just also speak about the gospel well back in those days papyrus wasn't just lying around on every street corner it was very expensive and um, they also I'm sure they paid money for people to write uh, it, it was expensive to, to, to write <clears throat> and what they then did was if he had two pages or a, I wouldn't say pages a roll and he want to write on that or a piece of papyrus and he want to write on that he needs to decide what he's going to write about and he says I actually want to write to you just about the gospel but now I've got to use this space to warn you about people that are going to come in and bring wrong doctrine that is what he's basically uh, doing and then at the end he gets a little bit in on what he really wants to say and we pick it up from there he says but you dear friends by building yourselves up in your most holy faith and praying in the holy spirit keep yourselves in god's love as you wait for the mercy of our lord jesus christ to bring you to eternal life isn't that absolutely powerful? So what he's basically saying here is, he says, I want you to, um, to build yourselves up, build your life. The Afrikaans says it a little bit different. Let me read it to you and translate it uh, directly. It says here in verse 20 that we need to build our own lives, build your life up, be encouraged it says here building yourselves in your most holy faith the Afrikaans if I translated it, it says here um, build your life In other word encourage your own life uh, edify yourself it's a good way of saying it there edify your life you know your life is not built by dwelling on all the wrong things you've done your life is not built on uh you know trying to get things to work out for you by just doing the right thing every day that's not how your life is built your life is not built by uh, meditating and pondering upon the latest news and trying to uh, you know, get the government to function right so that you can have life. You will not be encouraged by that. Your life will not be built and encouraged in meditating like that. He says here, but loved ones, build your own lives up, you know, build it by the faith that God has, basically, believing what God believes. The, the, um, This translation, the direct Afrikaans translation, says it uh, that way. He basically points you to believing what Jesus Christ believes. It says here, But you, loved ones, build your own life in having a holy faith. That's what it says. See that your life is stable by having a holy faith, a set-apart faith. What is this holy faith that he's talking about? He's talking about what God believes in Jesus Christ. (laughs) That's what he's talking about there. He says there, uh, build yourselves up in basically believing what God believes, in the faithfulness of God. That word faith also talks about faithfulness. So have your lives established. Have your lives strong and robust in believing exactly uh, what God believes or having your mind at rest at the faithfulness that there is portrayed in Jesus Christ. It says here, keep yourself in God's love. Keep yourself in God's love and wait for the mercy to be revealed, which will bring us to eternal life. I want to encourage you with that. I mean, we're going to talk from Isaiah uh, 42 in depth, the servant of God. But this is such a powerful encouragement. Keep yourself in the love of God. Don't keep yourself in the law. Don't keep yourself in condemnation. When I talk about law, I talk about the 10 things that you think you need to do in order to have a breakthrough. I want to tell you all the teachings about breakthrough, higher level, next level, uh, 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 I mean breakthrough upon breakthrough. I don't know what you want to call it. Uh, All of those kind of messages today, most of the time has to do with money and all those kind of things i want to tell you even the teaching on healing when your body has died you will need resurrection all the breakthrough teachings are still subject to mortality man what god has come to bring us is eternal life and let us keep ourselves in the love of god The Bible says, Herein is love, not that we loved God, but that He loved us and gave His Son to be the propitiation for our sins, meaning being the one that delivers us from sin and death. The Bible clearly says, For God so loved the world that He gave His only begotten Son, that through His Son we might be partakers of eternal life. That is what he is saying. So keep yourself in the fact that the Son was given, that through the Son you'll have eternal life. So many times we remove ourselves from the love of God in our own minds, and we think that the government was given so that through the government we might have life. No, quality of life is in Jesus Christ. And let me just testify about this quickly. In this week I went to visit somebody in our church, and this man, (coughs) um, he's about, I think, 70 Seventy-something years old, and about a year ago he had a stroke, and I mean there was basically nothing. Ro- there was nothing wrong with him. There was nothing wrong with him. He went to the dentist, and they think that um, you know the like anaesthetic kind of thing they gave him caused uh, blood clots and high blood pressure and. Uh, Day after that or so, he had a stroke. This guy always had low blood pressure, all of a sudden high blood pressure, stroke just after he's been to the dentist and you know some of these medications has got side effects. And here he's got a stroke, he's in a wheelchair, he cannot read properly. His eyes jump all the time, he's got double vision of everything, you know. It's like double of everything, it's difficult for him. I think it's about a year ago that this happened. I think, Lynn about a year ago that this happened. About a year ago that it happened. And now he can walk with a cane, but his one hand is just like um, moving rapidly in directions uncontrollably. It's, he's going through a difficult time. He was also depressed during that time. But when I got there, I just saw... The power of the resurrection in him, not in a physical miracle taking place, although doctors have told him, sir, the way you've had this stroke and where you've had the stroke, basically everybody that has what you have die. It's just a miracle. And the doctor saying that with tears, saying, sir, the fact that you live is a miracle that happened right in front of our eyes. But why is he not completely healed? Why? Is, we don't know. But what, we, what I do know is that quality of life for him is not found in how well his body is. It is in something else. Because when I got there, he is so encouraging. He encouraged me. He's full of joy. He's full of happiness. He's blessed. He's talking for about two and a half hours that I was there. He just talked about how good God is and how God comforts and how God gives life and how grateful he is. Now, that is Jesus being, uh, showing that a man's life is not found in how it goes in the country or what the doctor does. I mean, the doctor, I mean, you can easily, it can be a lawsuit. They can go and say, how many of this did you give? Did you tell him this? The whole thing. But he says, man, even if I sue, that doctor cannot heal me. I'm healed. Jesus heals me. I, I've got life. That's where this man is. Glory to God. And that is exactly what this person does. He keeps himself in the love of God because that's where he is safe. I want to just read this in the Afrikaans here. It says here, But loved ones, build your life in having a most holy faith while praying in the Spirit. Protect yourselves by living inside the love that God has for you. And from that perspective, you know that God is caring for you in giving you eternal life. So how do we keep ourselves? Where do we keep ourselves safe? By staying in the fact that God loves us, that He gave His Son for us. You are not safe out there uh, in the news media, man. You're not safe. You're not safe there. I don't say you cannot listen to it. I'm just saying that if that's all you watch, you're not going to be safe. If that's where you you find your life from, you're not going to be safe. If that's the thing that determines your emotions, you're not going to be safe. The safest place is in the resurrected Jesus Christ and in the hope that he brings unto you, which is eternal life. Keep yourselves there. Keep yourselves in the love of God. Right. Isaiah 42. Here we go. Today's message is going to be a shorter message. Isaiah 42. I believe this is going to encourage you. (laughs) Glory to God. It says here, Behold my servant. And I want you to imagine the almighty God standing in front of you. And then he points you to Jesus. He says, Behold the man. (laughs) Behold my servant. Behold the man at my right hand. Behold the one. You can see Jesus wherever in any stage of his life. The Father saying, behold my servant at the birth of Jesus Christ. The Father saying, behold my servant at the baptism of Jesus. The Father saying, behold my servant when Jesus was a boy of twelve years old. The Father saying, behold my servant when he was hanging upon the cross. And then the Father saying, behold my servant when he was raised from the dead. And the Father is saying, behold my servant as he seated right now at the right hand of God in all majesty, in all fullness, having the fullness of the Godhead bodily. The Father is saying to you, behold my servant whom I uphold, whom I support. That upholding there in the Afrikaans is the word ondersteun, which means support. I support him. It's like people supporting this ministry. Uh, People that support this ministry, what they're basically saying is, I approve of that ministry and I want this ministry to continue in this world. For I want this message to continue in this world. I want other people to be touched by this. This is what I want to do. I, I love this message that's going forth. I support it. And that is exactly what the Father says. He says, this is my servant and I support him. I uphold him. I'm the one that's keeping him going, meaning he has my life in him. I uphold him. What he's basically saying is is that he will never not be. (laughs) That is what he's saying. Why is uh, Isaiah making such an effort here? Why is the Spirit of God making such an effort here to say that he is the servant, he is the one that God upholds? Goes on, it says, He is my elect. He is the one in whom my soul delights. He is the one unto whom I've put my on whom I put my spirit. Why is he saying all of that? I believe that he's saying that so that we can believe and see that the Father is the one who's got the master plan to through the Son bring forth life to us which he always had in mind which he always gave to us which was always his dream i want to tell you jesus is not plan b it's not as if god had a plan with adam and then adam failed and then god brought forth jesus to correct what adam has done i thought it was like that before um but i stand corrected it is not like that jesus was God's plan from the beginning. And I believe that the Father already told Adam to eat of the tree of life, which was Jesus, to believe on the one that was to come after him. You know, not that Adam even would have, that it was necessary even for him to die. You know, Adam became 900 and something years old, 930 years old. He could have lived until the Messiah was born, the one through whom eternal life would come and believed upon him jesus is not plan b jesus is god's plan it has always been his plan god has not changed he didn't come in with a quick uh, a a plan for something no jesus is the plan jesus is the one through whom salvation would come glory to god now we can discuss the death of christ and all of that uh, later and why why he died more detail but i according to what i've just shared but the point here is that the father is presenting the son and he say behold my servant then if you say behold my if the father says behold my servant the question must arise what is he serving you with what is he to do you upholding him and he's serving you with what what is he going to serve serve you with what what is the service that he is bringing He says here that he is my elect. Okay, Father, you've picked him. You've elected him. Your soul delights in him. Yes, you uphold him. Yes, he serves you. Yes, you've put your ability upon him, your spirit upon him. What must he then do? He shall serve me. I'm using my own words here. And bring forth judgment unto the Gentiles. He'll bring forth justice in the earth. He'll serve me by bringing forth life to people. That is what he's basically saying. So we find the father overjoyed. I can almost see the father presenting the son saying, people, I want to tell you, here is the servant. Here is the one through whom I've promised eternal life from before the world began. Here is the one that I uphold. Here is the one that lives from my power and my life. Here is the one that my soul delights in. And why is my soul delighting? Why, am I, why, am I, why is my soul in delight? Why am I happy? Because he will bring judgment unto the Gentiles. Now, I think when some Jewish people would re- would have read that back then, they would say, oh yes, God's going to punish the Gentiles. But we find, if we read all of the cross-references here, you know, we go and read in Acts, we go and read in Isaiah, especially in Acts, we find, um, and we, f- we read this in Galatians, we read it in Ephesians, that the justice and the judgment towards the Gentiles was basically that God gave the son jesus as the one to serve the gentile nations with freedom from sin and death that is what he's talking about that is what he's talking about if we go and we read um oh my goodness now i didn't i forgot that verse let me see if i if i wrote it down colossians 2 colossians 2 let us just Read this. The Bible says that uh, uh, the, the grace of God teaches us to live a holy life. The grace of God teaches us to live a holy life, meaning that God has come and He presented the servant Jesus in teaching us. Teaching means empowering there unto a holy life. That is what he brought the Gentiles. That is the just justice and the judgment of God. We can ask ourselves the question, what is justice according to God? What is judgment according to God? I believe that the judgment or justice is defined in original intent. If God's original intent was that we should have life uh, and that we should share in His quality of life as we believe upon Him, not by our own works but by His doing, anything that opposes that, His wrath is for You know, that will be unto destruction. And his justice would be to bring forth what he truly wanted from the beginning. You can liken it with somebody giving me a $1,000 for a flight somewhere. If he's given me a $1,000 for a flight, it is only just that I use that money for that flight and for nothing else. If I use the money for anything else, even if it is a good cause, it would be unjust. Because the money was designated for the flight. It might be a very good thing to uh, put fuel in my son's car with that money. Or, you know, in my, It's a good thing. It's not unjust. It's right. The, the son needs it. But it's not right for me to take the money that was given for the flight to use it for something else. It's unjust. So when God has made man for the purpose of giving us eternal life, for the purpose of sharing our life with Him and something else happen, that death enters in, uh, sin enters into the disobedience of one man, it, it it spreads to all of us. What will justice be? Justice would be to kill death. Justice would be to remove sin. Justice would be to teach righteousness, to teach holiness. That is what it would be all about. Glory to God. That is what this whole thing is about. So he says here in uh, Isaiah 42, Behold my servant, whom I uphold, my elect one, in whom my soul delights. I've put my spirit upon him. He shall bring forth judgment to the Gentiles. That word judgment there, I'm going to have to look at that, especially in Deuteronomy. Listen to this man. This is so powerful. Deuteronomy 10 18. If the Lord, your, the excuse me, for the Lord your God is God of gods, is the Lord of lords, a great God, a mighty and terrible, (laughs) which regards no person nor takes a bribe. He executes judgment for the fatherless and the widow and loves the stranger in giving him food and clothes. Now, With that scripture in mind, Isaiah 42 says that the servant that is there to serve God will serve God with judgment unto the Gentiles. What is this judgment unto the Gentiles? This judgment unto the Gentiles would simply be that the Father executes judgment through Jesus unto those who don't have food and don't have clothes. Who are those who don't have food and don't have clothes? All of us. That is why he has come and given the bread from heaven, the manna from heaven to those who don't have food. Because the law was not food. Moses did give the law and he did give, there were manna in the desert, but it wasn't food. They ate and died. It couldn't feed them. It couldn't feed them. Yes, they did have clothes in the wilderness and the clothes didn't... uh, uh, um, wear away the shoes didn't wear away and so forth but eventually it did we find that we do do find provision today we do find food we do find clothes today but it cannot clothe us eternally it rots away in the grave but what we need to be clothed with according to second corinthians 5 is with eternal. uh, with an eternal home, with an immortal physical body. So what God is basically saying is, it is not just that the people are oppressed, they don't have food, they don't have the manner that leads unto eternal life, and they are still living as mortals. They need to have eternal life. They need to have immortality. This mortal must be clothed with immortality. And he presents the servant that will serve us with that. To the point that our eyes don't have to be on any other system to provide us with it. He provides us with that. I want to read Isaiah 1 verse 17 to you. It says, Learn to do well. Seek judgment. Relieve the oppressed. Judge the fatherless. Plea for the widow. So he says here, Seek judgment. Relieve the oppressed. So what is the judgment of God? The judgment of God is to relieve the oppressed. Back to Isaiah uh, 42. Behold my servant, he shall bring forth judgment to the Gentiles. He will relieve the oppressed amongst the Gentiles. That is what he's going to do. He's going to relieve the oppressed. What are people oppressed with? The Bible says that people were in slavery in the fear of death. Let us read that. (coughs) It says here, For as much then as the children are partakers of flesh and blood, he also himself likewise took part of the same, that is flesh and blood, that through death he might destroy him that had power over death, or the power of death. That is the devil. So the devil had the power of death. The power of death is like, you can put it this way, is like, say there's a man and he has got a, he, he's got this massive uh, helicopter with cannons on it. Now, the way you can, uh, you, you can destroy that man is by destroying the helicopter. Because that is what he's using on people. It's a weapon. And here it says the power of death is what was kept in the hands of the devil, the accuser. The cu- accuser was using the power of death. But then Jesus destroyed death. And as he destroyed death, likewise he destroyed the one that, was, that had power over people's lives. Let's read it again. For as much then as the children are partakers of flesh and blood, he himself likewise took part of the same, that through death he might destroy him that had power over death, that is the devil. Or Not power over death, the power of death, that is the devil. And deliver them who through fear of death were all their lifetime subject to bondage. So what is the the bondage that man had. What is the injustice where, where justice has to come? Where the God's judgment had to come? That is to relieve people from the fear of death. Because the devil had a weapon. The weapon was death. It's the same with, um, with governments. You know, if, you, if a, nobody fears Lesotho. Small country here in Africa or Swaziland nobody fears them. Why? Why is the United States not afraid of Lesotho? Why is the United States not afraid of Zimbabwe? Why are they not afraid of Swaziland or South Africa? Why are they not afraid? It's because they don't have a nuclear weapon. If they had nuclear weapons... You would find that they, every day, live in fear all the time. They will be very involved in what's going on in our politics because if some dictator just come or somebody that can uh, push the trigger or push the button and release some nuclear bombs, these people has got power to rule the world, man. So the fear is because of the weapon, the nuclear weapon. It's death. So here, the devil had the power of death. And the devil was destroyed. He was disarmed. Why? Because death was conquered. And that's why he cannot rule our lives anymore through fear. The fear of death. I did preach on that about two Sundays ago. We don't fear death anymore. Why? Because we have eternal life. We live holy lives now. Why? Because we've been given eternal life. It was not right uh, in, in in the eyes of God to see people live in the fear of death. And because they fear death, they find sin manifesting in the people's lives. That's why he brought forth Jesus Christ. He says, Behold, my servant will bring justice to the nations. Let me explain sin manifesting in people's lives because of the fear of death. My son and I, or the we well, family, we were all, all together sitting at the table, and we were talking about, or I think it was in our room there, talking about uh, Survivor. This It's called Survivor, isn't it? It's called Survivor, you know, that um, program where they've got the teams and then it becomes less and less and less, and then there's a Survivor. Now, what makes the game... Um, what gives us it its power is the fact that people can be kicked out, that their flame can be uh, killed. That's basically, that somebody can die. They, they didn't survive. He doesn't physically die, but in, in, the, in the program, it's just, uh, you know, symbolically, his flame is put out. He's dead. Now, because you need to survive, because your life is temporal, what happens in that program? You'll find how people start to sin. People start to lie, backbite, cheat, and everything. Why? It's because they don't know if they're going to live. That's why. That's why you find all the sin. A practical preaching of what's, what, what man's problem is is in that survivor. Now, how would you get somebody not to backbite, not to sin? Give him immunity. If somebody's got immunity for 15 episodes, I mean, or if he gets immunity and he's definitely going to be the winner, do you think he will cheat? No. Do you think he's going to backbite? No. He's going to be a teacher there. He's going to show love. He's going to show kindness. He's going to show goodness. Why? Because of the surety of life. That's how the thing works. So God says, it is not right for my people to be running around seeking life wherein the lack of life brings forth the manifestation of sin and eventually death in them. Let me conquer death because if I can conquer death and people can know they have life and live from my life, you'll find that sin is not even uh, uh, so prevalent in in their lives anymore and they start to live in love and peace and joy and so forth. And to get that right, he offers the servant. He doesn't offer the law and you serve. He offers a servant to serve us with that. That is what is taking place here. Glory to God. So we're not living in the fear of death anymore. So what does He come to deliver us from? The fear of death. Because we were all our lifetime in bondage. Let's have another verse that says the same thing. We're going to go to... um, I think we can go to Matthew... Twelve twenty, because Matthew 12, 20 is just a repeat of the very same passage, but the emphasis that Matthew wanted to bring in is there. You need to remember, you know, some of these Old Testament verses are quoted by Matthew, but they change some of the words. If you read Isaiah 42, it says, and let me read it, in verse 1, it says here, that he shall bring forth judgment unto the Gentiles, a bruised reed he shall not break uh s- smoking uh, wick he shall not ex- kill or flax he shall not quench until he brings forth judgment unto truth now that word judgment unto truth in matthew 12 <coughs> verse 20 is not translated as truth so Matthew didn't use the word truth there. He put another word in there. This is what he did. It says, A bruised reed he shall not break, a smoking flax he shall not quench, till he sent forth judgment unto victory. Judgment unto victory. I am the way, I am the victory, and I am the life. <laughs> Isn't that beautiful? The victory is the resurrection. Glory to God. He sending him forth To bring forth judgment unto truth or judgment unto victory. You shall know the truth and the truth shall set you free. You will know the victory that Jesus Christ has attained in his resurrection. And the fact that he did attain the victory shall set you free. Free from what? Free from the fear of sin and death. This is the work of the servant of God that brings joy to the heart of the Father because he sees his people being set free. Listen to this. He says, a bruised reed he shall not break. A smoking flax he shall not quench. A bruised reed is the way God sees all of humanity. They're a bruised reed. Have you ever taken a reed and just break it? You know, or, or it's bruised. You see, it was bruised and it's just like bent 90 degrees or hanging down. It's still connected, but it can never live again. There's no hope for it. If you look at a smoking flax, you you can try and blow on it. It's not going to catch fire again. It's done. It's finished. He's not saying, well, these people, there's no hope for them. Let me just put them out of their misery. No, he's not doing that. He says, no, justice shall prevail and I will see that justice come to them and I will give them life. I will give them holiness. I will give them righteousness. It will be by my servant who will serve me in obeying my will, which is to serve them with life, to teach them by grace what holiness is, to teach them by goodness what eternal life is, to give them hope that they can rest in my integrity through my servant, through whom I give them life. Another thing that I want to just point out here in Isaiah um, in Matthew Matthew, same thing in Isaiah here Jesus was becoming famous and then this is what he said he said the following but when Jesus knew that fame about him was spreading he withdrew himself from there and great multitudes followed him and he healed them all and he charged them that they should not make him known that, he might, that it might be fulfilled, which was spoken by Isaiah the prophet, saying, Behold my servant, whom I have chosen, my beloved, in whom my soul is well pleased. I will put my spirit on him, and he will show judgment to the Gentiles. We've now established what judgment is. He shall not strive nor cry, neither shall any man hear his voice in the streets. What he's basically saying here is, and if you go back to Isaiah 42, I like the way it is there as well. It says, He shall not cry nor lift up nor cause his voice to be heard in the streets. What he's basically saying is that that this deliverance through the servant Jesus is not political. Whose voice do you hear on the streets? Whose posters do you see on the streets? Whose ads are running on the news. It's politicians. And they're offering a deliverance. They're offering a freedom. They're offering a safety. But Jesus here, he says, Behold my servant. He's not coming with a political agenda. What he's coming to do is greater than what any politician can ever offer. It's even for the politician. He's for the politician. He's for the officers that is in government. He is voice, will not be heard on the streets. He will not go around hoping for a vote. Jesus doesn't need to be voted in, friends. He doesn't need our vote. Nobody ever has to believe in Him in order for Him to be victorious. He was victorious in being raised from the dead. And then we can believe upon his truth. We can know the truth. We can know his victory. And his victory or his truth will set us free. Free from what? Free from the fear of death and then consequently the effect it has upon our lives which would then be sins in the flesh. Making us generous and kind and teaching us to live a holy life. Glory to God. He shall not cry, nor lift up, nor cause his voice to be heard in the streets. Now, the working of Jesus is inside man. It is conquering the death of man. It is a working by the Spirit on the flesh of man to bring forth life. No political system can bring that forth. And I want to tell you, God is never going to have His voice heard on the streets in the context of what is mentioned here. The voice of the Father is heard, heard in the hearts of people and then those who have heard the voice of the Father will hear the heralding of the already attained victory of King Jesus. It will resonate in their hearts. They'll believe upon Him and so life will come to them. Judgment will come to them. Justice will come to them. I'm going to end off and we're going to read Isaiah 61, the spirit of the Lord God is upon me. Remember what Isaiah 42 says, my spirit shall be upon him. Why will the spirit be upon Jesus? Because the Lord has enabled me to preach good news to the meek or the oppressed. He has sent me to bind up the brokenhearted. Who who are these people? It's humans, man, that are oppressed by uh, sin and death. To proclaim liberty to the captives. What, what is the captivity? People are taken slave in, in, into slavery and captivity in the fear of death. Because there's a devil with a weapon called death. But his weapon has been taken away. He's been disarmed. And because the fear of death has been taken away and immunity is, uh, is promised, we find that all the backbiting and fighting in the clan is stopping. Because of the immunity, the bodily immortality that is promised. The opening of the prison to them that are bound. This is what it means, semicolon, to proclaim the acceptable year of the Lord. This is my servant, the one in whom I delight. He is the one that my, that my, my soul delights in. He is the one that I have put my spirit upon. Why have I got such great delight in him, you might ask, the Father says. Is because he's proclaiming the acceptable year of the Lord. The, that which I wanted to give to you all the time. The day of the vengeance of our God. In order that you can be comforted. That is what verse 2 says. Glory to God. Isn't that absolute, absolute good news? There's other verses that I wanted to get in here. Malachi chapter 4. Um... Matthew 9 26, maybe I've got like three minutes here. Let me do it quickly. Malachi 4 says the Son of righteousness will arise with healing in his wings. That son of righteousness refers to the day of the vengeance of God, the day that will burn like an oven, where you see that scorching heat, that sun coming up, and that sun is burning and is and that sun is draining life from, from plants and is bringing devastation and drought. But that very sun that arises with all that heat is a sun of judgment against that which destroys people. But that very sun is the sun of righteousness, the judgment of God that arises over us with healing in the wings that wings there talks about the uh, the hem of the garment and matthew in matthew 9 records that when a woman went and she saw the fulfillment of malachi 4 and she says now is the day of judgment now is the day of the vengeance of our god and he's taking vengeance on the fact that i'm that i'm outside of town that i've been um disqualified that i've been seen as unclean he's taking vengeance on that and i am going to touch the hem of his garment because that is the fulfillment of malachi 4 and she went and she touched the hem of of the garment and she was healed it was recorded by Matthew to declare the day of the vengeance of our God where the son of righteousness burns with healing in his wings glory to God the servant of God we can see this in 1 Corinthians 15 talking about the resurrection. Romans chapter 8 talking about the glorified body wherein God comes to bring us healing. Philippians chapter 3 where Paul says, I count all things but done, um, you know, for the excellence to be partaker of the resurrection of Jesus Christ. We can read in Colossians chapter 3 where he says, Behold Jesus Christ as your life. We can look at, at Timothy Ephesians Um, Galatians, where it talks about the hope that God had for us from before the world began. Fulfilled in the servant, Jesus Christ. I'm going to end off by just quickly going back to Isaiah 42. And I'm ending off with verse 4. You might say, but Bapti, you know, will Jesus not fail in what he wants to do? It says here, he shall not fail. Nor be discouraged. I want to tell you Jesus. Is not easily discouraged man. He shall not fail. And shall not be discouraged. Till. He have set judgment. In the earth. And the Gentiles. Shall wait. For his law. What does that mean? Let me put it in words that we can understand it. He shall not fail nor be discouraged, meaning he will believe in the Father, and the Father shall raise him from the dead. He will trust the Father till he set judgment in the earth, meaning resurrection life, and the Gentiles shall wait for his law of life to manifest on them. Glory to God. And thus is what the Lord God says, he that created heaven and the heavens and the earth and stretch them out and spread forth the earth and that which is to come out of it this is God saying these words this is what he says about his servant Jesus Christ behold my servant whom I uphold is God's word to you but Bertie, what about the vaccine what about this what about behold my servant Whom I uphold, my elect, in whom my soul delights. I have put my spirit upon him, and he shall bring forth judgment in the earth, and he shall not fail, neither be discouraged, till it is in the earth. Glory to God. Thank you so much that I could serve you with this good news message today. Know that you are deeply loved by God. He cares for you. He blesses you and gives you life. I thank you, Father, that you heal people that's got sickness in their bodies right now. That signs, wonders, and miracles flow forth towards people right now as you confirm your word of the resurrection through signs, wonders, and miracles. Thank you these people are blessed in Jesus' name. Amen and amen. God bless.